Keeping On looks at the journey of aging through the power of music. Hello, I'm Van Owen Hayes, host of the podcast Keeping On, which is brought to you by Walker West Music Academy, where they harness the power of music to foster academic achievement, success, healing, and joy. What helps you keep on doing what you do? Is it music? Music can comfort, heal, inspire, and uplift. It can make you want to sing, dance, tap your foot, create, and learn. Music can help you keep on keeping on. Welcome to a special edition of Keeping On. We are honored to have as our guest, my friend, legendary jazz pianist Kenny Barron, who is in town for the Twin Cities Jazz Fest. You've been performing in the Twin Cities for several years. What do you like about the Twin Cities? It can't just be because of my soul food dinners. Well, that's a big part of it. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, it's, um, it's a safe city. It's a very clean city. And fans are really, I mean, they're really into the music. And that's, those are the three primary reasons I love it so much. Kenny, I want to welcome you. And we love your playing. So we're so glad you're going to do some playing for us while we chat. And the audience has a chance to listen to some of your music and hear what you have to say. Okay. What kind of song are you going to play? I think I'm just going to play a standard that I love. When I listened to that song, I wish I brought my glass of wine with me because that was so beautiful and it was so relaxing to listen to. And I hope our audience enjoyed it as much as I did. At Walker West Music Academy, we harness the power of music to foster academic achievement, success, healing, and joy. What does your music express? Uh, well, hopefully, it, it, you know, joy is a big part of it. 
joy and I think uh, uh, healing uh, I hope, hope you know that's a part of it you know but music is a very very important thing very very important thing and uh, I can't imagine life without it I really can't <laughs> you know uh, the Taliban just came to power in, in Afghanistan and one of the first things they did was ban music you know so and I just that's inconceivable to me I know that music is instrumental to uh, part of a movement I mean, with Martin Luther King and the moral rearmament movement going on now. So music is critical. Whether you're playing old classics or new compositions, you seem adept at setting a mood. I know at times a glass of wine by the fireside is inspired by your soft, smooth melodies. Other times, the rhythms of the Caribbean make you want to get up and move, dance, or party. How does your music make you feel? Uh, sometimes it makes me feel like I can't play, but... <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> Um, but if it if it does inspire those things, if it makes people feel like you know just chilling and relaxing, or if it makes people, uh, if it moves people, that's the, that's the thing. You know, I would like for my music to move people. Uh, I remember um, with some students, pianists, we were talking about playing ballads. You know, because that that's one of the hardest things to do is to play a ballad. And one of the things I mentioned to them. Is that I want you to see if you can make me cry. Oh. You know? And if you can do that, then you have moved me. You know, and then that's the thing, to be able to move somebody. But in order to do that, you have to feel those emotions yourself in order to, for someone else to feel that. Kenny, you've received international acclaim for your extraordinary talent, with critics asserting that you're one of the greatest, if not the greatest, jazz pianist. If I took the time to list all your awards and praiseworthy accomplishments, it would take the whole show. So instead, I'd like our audience to hear you say, what is most meaningful to you when you reflect on your life's journey? Well, uh, I think... uh having the ability to travel and meet people and learn about different cultures and, and uh, hear different music. Uh, going to Havana, Cuba, for instance, and hearing the music there. Going to uh, Brazil, hearing the music. And I love uh, uh, music from that part of the world. I, I love Cuban music and, and uh, Latin music. Uh, or going to uh, uh, Europe and, and learning about the, the government and how it functions there. Uh, and meeting people and uh, one of the things I've discovered is that people are pretty much the same you know they're either good people or they're not (laughs) you know well you're a musician composer and an educator that's not the total description of who you are what we what you do but we'd like to know what inspires you what or who sparks your creativity as you exercise these different roles uh, it can vary. It can vary. There are things that can can spark your your you know inspire you. It could be uh, 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 nature. It could be someone you love. It could be any variety of things. You know. So things. What do you do with that inspiration? <laughs> you know. Uh, sometimes just sitting down at the piano and noodling, I can find something. You know, so inspiration can come from a lot of different places. 
Could you also talk about your experience teaching students? Yeah, I taught, uh, well, I taught at um, uh, Rutgers University uh, for 25 years. And when I was asked about doing it, I was a little reticent. I didn't, you know, because I'd never done that before. And uh, part of it is as a, as a kid, I was very, very shy. And the idea of getting up and speaking in front of people, I, you know, it was just, uh, I just couldn't do that, you know. Um, but in order to start this job at Rutgers, I had to give a presentation from the provost. And obviously, I, I passed it because I was there for 25 years. Um, but one of the things I learned is how to connect with people, I think. You know, um, and students will test you. They will ask you questions, and then uh, you can't remain silent. You have to talk, <laughs> you know. So right now, you can't shut me up sometimes. <laughs> so I come from being very, very quiet to being uh, sometimes a little loquacious. But uh, it's been a great experience for me. Who are some of the students you've taught? Uh, Terrence Blanchard was a student of mine. Uh, John Batiste was a student. Uh, Oh, Drummond had just passed away. The drummer with Rolling Stones? Ralph Peterson. Ralph Peterson was a student at at Rutgers. Um, Regina Bell, she was a student of mine. Uh, and at, at Rutgers, she was a nursing student, I believe. Really? Yeah. And uh, I didn't know she could sing until we were in lesson one day, and she asked me about joining the, because uh, Rutgers had a big band, and she was interested in, in joining the big band. So I said, well, go try out, you know. And she did, and she got, got in. And I went to the uh, first concert that she did with them, and she blew me away. <laughs> She absolutely blew me away. Singing jazz. Wow. Sometimes you do solos, and often you're with a group. So I'd like to ask you, how do your side men uh, facilitate the setting of the mood of your music? Oh, well, uh, first of all, you let them do what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, I'm not one to dictate to them uh, how to play, what to play. You know, uh, you hire them because of what they do. So you just let them do that. And uh, sometimes they, they inspire you to, to, to different heights if you allow them to, to just, again, just do what they do. They'll kind of uh, kick your butt, so to speak. When I first met you, you were playing with Ben Riley, Buster Williams, and Ron Carter. Since then, you've played with so many others, and currently with Jonathan Blake and Kiyoshi Kitagawa. How do these different artist combinations reflect your growth as a jazz artist? Well, each time you play, play with somebody different, uh, you grow each time because, uh, you know, each person inspires something different. So uh, whether I'm playing with Ron Carter, that was one thing. One of the things I learned with Ron, for instance, uh, was about playing soft. You know, we could play soft, so quiet, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Playing with Jonathan is about excitement. So each time you play with somebody different, it engenders some other feeling. Who are some of your favorite musicians to listen to? Well, my biggest influences were um, um, Tommy Flanagan and Hank Jones and the things that that 
uh, inspired me from them was, uh, first of all, their touch uh, and the lyricism. They played very lyrical, very beautiful ideas. So that's, that's some of the things that I, I try and achieve in my own playing. And then uh, I'm a Jamal, who I heard uh, when I was 15 or younger. I was, uh, I had, you know, Philly had a, a radio, all, all uh, 24 hour jazz station. And I was going to bed one night and I had the radio on. And this, this song came on that I knew, uh, which was a big hit by a singer named Teresa Brewer. <laughs> And it was, uh, the song was called Music, Music, Music. But there was this piano player playing it. And I, wow, he's incredible. Who is that? And they said, it was this old guy named Ahmed Jamal. And I've been a fan of his ever since. Ever since. I read in your bio that you were also influenced by Yusuf Latif, that he was very helpful to you. How did that occur? Uh, Yusuf was a big influence, not just musically, but also just in terms of uh, his person. Yusuf was, uh, it was a very honest person. So anything he said, uh, you could believe it. You know, if he said that's and so, you know, he, uh, people's inclined to tell the truth about everything. <laughs> you know, he was honest to a fault. But he also was a very encouraging. He encouraged me to, uh, to go back to school, uh, which I did when I was in his band. Uh, I wound up going back to, uh, to a Manhattan Community College. You know, and when, at, at one point, everyone in the band was going to school, was in Manhattan Community College. And we all had classes with Yusuf. And also, I had math class and history, African history class and various other classes. Um, but he encouraged me to do that, and he was also encouraging in terms of uh, he played a lot of my music. You know, he would play my music and, and record it, and uh, there's nothing like hearing your music played well to, to encourage you to write, to compose. So um, because of him, that uh, I, basically because of him that I teach, because you know, going back to school was never in my head. Until he mentioned it, what you, you should go back to school. So I did. Do you think it's a, important for a musician to continue learning as a musician? Oh yes, it's it's uh, terribly important. You know, I think it's, it's terribly important. Terribly important for you to grow. You know, as as a musician. You know, um, I still try and practice. Not still try. Do practice. But I listen to, to, to music that's unfamiliar to me. You know, so what can I get from this? What can I learn from this? And I listen to a lot of the younger players today, like Sullivan Fortner or uh, uh, Gerald Clayton, who was also a student of mine. Uh, they're playing some fantastic stuff. So I try and steal as much as I can. You said you, <laughs> you, said you traveled a lot, and what an education that is. What have you picked up? I know... In, uh, in your travels to Brazil, you've picked up a lot of that sound, but what other sounds have you picked up from other countries, other places? Um, well, in terms of music, uh, uh, listening to Japanese music, they have, they have an instrument called koto, uh, which is a string instrument, and it has a very unusual sound, you know. And in my head is, is to, to perhaps one day record with that. Uh, uh, I spent some time in India and listened to, uh, they have an instrument called the sitar, which has quarter tones, 
So it's a very unusual instrument. And I actually called somebody. There's um, uh, uh, Ravi Shankar. But he has a daughter, uh, Anushka. Oh. Uh, Shankar and I called her one time. I was doing a record, and I, uh, I thought that you know I could try and get her, but she was very very busy. So and I don't know that she would have done it anyway. But uh, nothing beats a failure but a try, <laughs> you know. How do you uh, balance your life out as a musician? You have all these gigs where you're traveling and you're doing a lot. How do you stay healthy and and ready? And prepared. Well, I try to stay as healthy as I possibly can by eating right, and I don't always succeed, uh, but by eating right. And uh, uh, as I've gotten older, I've gotten, you know, I'm pre-diabetic now, so I, I do have to watch my diet. And uh, uh, certain things I can't eat anymore, like shrimp, which I really love. Well, I'm with you on that. I become <laughs> allergic to it. So I'm not allergic, but it brings on uh, gout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so... I mean, but uh, you just try and avoid those things that that uh, that uh, hinder you, and, and uh, try and get enough sleep, uh, and that's that's it. You know, I don't drink a lot to excess anymore. As you look back on your life, if you had it to do over again, is there anything you would do over again or change? Not much. I mean, I would probably take better care of myself, stay healthier. I would practice more, you know. But beyond that, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with, with my life, you know. Not necessarily with me so much, uh, but with my life, yes, I'm satisfied, you know. Uh, with the realization that it can always be better. I can always be better. Are there any lessons you've learned that you'd like to pass on to someone else that, so they don't have to repeat what you <laughs> Uh, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is patience. You know, just just to be patient about everything. You know, I've learned that. Well, I, I never was that kind of person anyway. But even more so now, uh, I try not to let my emotions uh, uh, rule me. You know, try and be patient, and then, uh, this too shall pass. Uh, one of the other things I'd like to ask you is. Um, how has race, culture, or class informed or influenced your work? It has everything to do with it. <laughs> everything, you know. Um, I'm African-American, so uh, the music I heard growing up was all African-American, from, from uh, doo-wop to, to, to jazz, you know. And all of that has, has had a bearing on, on what I play now. You know, I grew up uh, uh, listening to groups that were named after birds and flowers, you know. <laughs> The Orioles and and, uh, uh, and I remember Buster and I, we were Buster Williams, we were the same mm-hmm. age, and we used to s- sing on the corner sometimes, you know, as, as a way of reminiscing about all those those things, you know. But yeah, that's very much a part of, uh, you know. I grew up also listening to uh, uh, groups like uh, Louis Jordan, Timpani Five, and I found a record on eBay or something that I bought for a hundred dollars. You know, because I, I love that music so much. Wow. You know, so it's all, it's, it's has everything to do with it. How has the audience changed? It hasn't really that much. I, I mean, the jazz audience mm-hmm. hasn't really changed that much. I mean, they, they the real jazz audience, let me, you know, they haven't really changed that much. You know, they, they love the music, they appreciate the music. 
Um, unfortunately, some places you go, they know more about you than they do in America. But the, you know, that's that's starting to change. That's starting to change. You know, you could go to Japan and people would know everything about you, your whole history. You know, um, but. The real jazz fans, they love the music, they appreciate the music, and they will come out and support the music, live music. I think that's, that's terribly important. Is there any influence of crossover from other music forms into jazz? Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. The, um, R&B has been crossed in terms of, the, especially in terms of the rhythms and things like that, the feeling, the groove, you know. And most jazz musicians are... are pretty adept at crossing over musically, uh, being able to play other kinds of music. You know, I remember Ryan Carter told me at the time, he, he played with James Brown, you know, and he said he loved it. Instant groove. Speaking of Ryan Carter, he once said that jazz musicians could play classical, but classical musicians didn't do as well with jazz because classical musicians played the same tune over and over again and you could imp- improvise uh, that's that's true I, I once did a well there's, there's, I once did a, a workshop for classical players who were interested in playing and just wanted to know about jazz you know I found that the biggest thing was fear fear of making a mistake <laughs> and you can't be afraid of making a mistake if you're going to improvise you know I had the pleasure of meeting uh, the, the Chinese, uh, Juju Wang. She came to hear me a couple of times, oh. you know, at, uh, at the Village Vanguard. And I, she invited me to one of her performances, and she was absolutely amazing. But one of the things she said to me is that she needs the score. She needs the music, the written music. You know, she can't do anything without that. You know, so she wasn't able to just sit down and play. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's just two sides to the coin, though. You know, on the other hand, I could not do what she does. Her technique is, is, is unearthly. It's unreal, you know. Um, so, but it's all music, you know. So, you know, my feeling is no matter what kind of music you're playing, it's the same 12 notes. <laughs> that's all there is, it's 12 notes, that's it. You know, uh, and her music affects people, and hopefully what I do affects people in different ways, maybe. You know, but uh, some people are, are, are really excited by technique, you know, and technique is a good thing to have. But again, I go back to, can you make me cry? <laughs> I always go back to that. I have a question you might consider difficult. Okay. It just occurred to me, if you were to write or compose a song about the Twin Cities, what would be important for you to include in it? Oh, first of all, uh, uh, there's so much nature here. Well, in Minnesota, you know, the, 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 the it's just so green, you know. Uh, so it would have something to do with that, I think, and water. <laughs> 10,000 lakes, I hope so. <laughs> and how, how early would you want children to start playing music if they're interested? I started when I was six. That's when I started uh, 
uh, studying piano. I was six years old. So if they if they show an interest, uh, I think six is fine. Uh, do you give private lessons or do you just do it through Rutgers in classes? Um, I have given private lessons. Yeah, I, mean, I don't do do it so much anymore. Uh, but I have done that. You know, um, uh, Jerry Allen, for instance, she was a student at Howard. She would take the train up from Washington and mm-hmm. come to my house for a lesson. You know, but with some people, I always felt that uh, I mean, Jerry could play. What could I show her? You know, and that was my feeling. You know, with with a lot of people who've asked me for lessons, um, they could already play. You know, that Gerald Clayton and, and took lessons with me. He could already play. I mean, I, I couldn't really show him anything. You know, just we played. One of the things we did, um, I always had two pianos in my studio. We just played together, and that allowed me to hear. Not that they had deficiencies, but some things they could improve on if we played together. But this, I couldn't sit down and say, oh, okay, this is a B-flat, or this is a B-flat chord, or here's 100 voices for a C minor 7 chord. They didn't need that, you know. Uh, so it was more, more like a certain kind of refinement, that's all. You started playing as a teenager, and it appears you'll continue forever. Other professions retire at a certain age, but musicians play on. What is it about music that enables one to keep on keeping on? Well, I think music keeps you young, you know, if, if not in body, at least in spirit, <laughs> you know. Music does keep you young, you know, and uh, the thought of retiring is, does not even occur to me until I'm on my deathbed. Then I'll retire. <laughs> the big sleep, that's when I'll retire. <laughs> well, we look forward to you continuing to play, and since we're here at Walker West, uh, where music instruction in, occurs, what would you like to say to people who are teaching or uh, practicing music, what they need to do? Uh, I think one of the most important things, especially for a young person, is to listen and listen to the music. And, and uh, 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 see, what, what do you like about this person's playing or about this style of music? And you try and get to it. That's that's the main thing. Trying to get to what you want, what you want to get to, and you can only do that by listening. Well, Kenny, it's just extraordinary to be able to have you here, and you've been so gracious by coming and being available to us at this time. And I know you're going to appear at the jazz festival, but they're not as lucky as we are because we get to hear you directly and to talk to you. So. I want to thank you for being part of Keeping On. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to today's guest and to you, our listening audience, for joining us today. As Plato says, music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. Until next time, keep keeping on. 